Hello, this is Lisa Pierce, Executive Editor of Packaging Digest, with another episode of Packaging Possibilities, a podcast that reveals what's new and what's next for packaging executives and engineers, designers, and developers. In this episode, Tom Newmaster, partner at packaging design firm Force PKG, is going to make sense of the changing culture as it relates to the environment, and he'll give us some ideas on how brands can adjust their packaging and marketing tactics to better align with today's reality. Over the years, Tom has been a regular content contributor to Packaging Digest, sharing his insights into packaging and branding for a variety of consumer packaged goods um, markets, including cannabis. His expertise um, also includes impacts from the COVID-19 pandemic, and no surprise considering today's topic, sustainability shifts. Tom, welcome and thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Yes, me too, definitely. So, um, Tom, let's start with the big picture. Um, tell us, how is our culture changing as it relates to the environment? It's funny you use, use the word changing. Um, I, I look at it more as an evolution, right? You think back to, at least me personally, back in grade school, right, when the whole Earth Day thing started and, at where, and where we are today. So, you know, sustainability, recycling, all of those things as it relates to the environment is evolving over over time you know depending on who you talk to it's it's never fast enough there's there's things we need right. to do now right things we need to do moving forward and what does that future future look look like um it it appears to be a major concern and issue at least for younger generations which i used to consider myself a part of but i guess i'm not anymore <laughs> i um, hear you i still you think know? i'm young even though i know i'm not Right. I'm I'm not 14, but I might act that way on most days. But when it when it comes to the environment, it feels like we almost have a war on plastics today. And maybe that's a fair assessment, maybe it's maybe it's not, but it's it's been demonized in almost all aspects of, you know, packaging, mainstream media. And the problem with that is is you know, packaging as it relates to the environment and plastic packaging specifically is, you know, it, it's a very unique, special material that does a lot of, lot of good. Uh, the problem is people, right? So do plastics damage the environment? Well, sure they do when they get thrown into the ocean or thrown into a river or discarded and not recycled. So, you know, the whole idea of recycling and, you know, a circular economy where things get reused and recycled, you really, you really need to focus on how you can impact and make it easy for the consumer to do that recycling and also an easy to understand method. And I think at least in, in the U.S., we have a bit of a recycling problem. So how do, how do, how do we address that and how do we move that whole situation forward? Tom, I agree with everything that you've said. There definitely is an anti-plastics movement. I also believe that it's uh, not necessarily fair, um, that there are uh, plenty of good reasons and um, 
appropriate reasons to use plastics for packaging. Um, I also agree with your assessment on um, circularity becoming more important. And um, I think that's a really good thing. And I hope that that continues um, going forward. So, okay. Um, over the last you know couple of years really specifically some brands have been very aggressive with uh, their stating of goals for sustainability these days and i do want to make a point that there is a difference between sustainability goals and sustainable packaging goals so here this is the broader one that i'm, I'm asking about and that's sustainability goals um, Often they are related to packaging, but I wanted to just um, check with you and see what are you specifically seeing in this area as far as the goals are, and um, why do you think these are the goals that they're they're um, pick, picking? There, there are some very large brands setting very aggressive um, sustainability-related goals, especially related to packaging, and and they probably should do it. It's probably you know more of a PR effort than it is sometimes actually achievable goals because they are so aggressive, um, but it steps in, in the right direction. You know, McDonald's comes to mind, you know, with some of the things they're doing with with 80% of the guest packaging coming from renewable, recycled, or certified sources, you know, pledges related around fossil fuel-based plastics, what IKEA has been doing, um, in relation to the whole end plastic pollution resolution from the UN. And if you think about Unilever, recently they've done some things around taking a lot of their top brands and putting them into refillable, reusable containers, potentially even doing like pump stations at retailers where people can come in and fill mm. up their con containers. Okay. And, and and they're they're very aggressive and will they be able to roll them out, you know, in in large scale? remains to be seen. My whole thing is, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta set goals that are attainable to keep moving that needle forward. Otherwise you set it so far out there that you can't kind of check it off and move on to that next, next step. And I think packaging, maybe some people aren't going to like to hear this, but packaging is that low hanging fruit, right? Because it's that thing. I see that plastic bottle and on the street walking to work. So it's that thing that's always so, in your face, but there's a lot of other things that end up not being recycled or contributing to the the great pacific plastic floating island of plastic everyone's seen those large nets coming on board the the ship right and dumping that plastic on onto the deck of the ship yep. and if you really look at it yeah are there single use plastics in that pile sure but there's like containers and fishing nets and you know a lot more of that garbage patch isn't the demon plastic single use bottle you know that plastic island that's floating out in the ocean is also floating and i know plastic sink so i know the argument is well the single-use plastics are sinking to the bottom and i i understand that but many times they use the image of that great pacific plastic patch as the reason to ban single-use plastics but if you really look at the image it's not single-use plastic so it's it's i don't want to say it's propaganda but you know it's that it's that striking visual well, I think everybody has a uh, position and they're using whatever images they can Correct. to fortify that position for making some improvements in the area. And I don't think there's anybody against making improvements in, in, the, in the waste um, 
situation. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit more about the whole circularity side of things, because it does seem like that is where most of the success has been from a recycling point of view. But is that the only thing that we can do from a circularity point of view is recycle? What do you think of that, Tom? Well, I think there's ways to impact the overall carbon footprint of things. Uh, we, we recently completed actually a, a series of projects related specifically to e-commerce where um, we, we, had a, we had a product. It was whatever, over the... Minimum the maximum length to get the lower shipping cost. So we had to kind of restructure that package. And this particular product was also in like a plastic clamshell, which everybody hates. And and everyone knows, you know, when you get products in those plastic plant clamshells, if there's no identification on the plastic, can you recycle it? Do you throw it in the trash? Did you end up cutting yourself? Right. So now you need a band-aid because you're bleeding. Um so we we took these products, put them in a corrugated ships in box, um, used corrugated inserts, and then actually used pieces of the product material to act as the, the packing materials to hold it in place in that package. So what, what we did there is we obviously reduced the size of the package. That e-commerce box no longer had to be put into another box with packing material and then shipped, so it got larger, reduced the weight. But then also when the consumer gets it, they take the product out and they're left with just corrugated cardboard. So it was a single material, a a commonly used material. I think the beauty in that is making it simple for that consumer, right? They know what to do. To recycle, right? Yeah, it makes it easy to to recycle because it's easy. Like it's all cardboard. I know what to do with that. But then overall, if you think about it, we just – the overall carbon footprint, forget the whole recycling aspect of that. We've reduced the size of the package. We eliminated plastics and potentially non-recyclable, mm-hmm. you know, plastic materials. So the overall carbon footprint of those products went down dramatically too. And then on the, the positive side, which usually doesn't impact cost, this impacted cost as well because now all those extra shipping materials are not needed. So is, okay, are there great. are there ways to create easy to use carbon footprint friendly packages outside of that, you know, recycle recyclability. Okay. Do you think the consumer recognizes that that package change had a lower carbon footprint or did you call that out to them? Or is that something that you think brands are going to be looking to do moving forward? Because I, I have seen that shift most recently where, um, we are trying to use carbon footprint as more of the the sustainability measure for packaging. And sometimes that's easy, sometimes not so much. But how did you do it for this particular um, project? Well, I think if that environmental aspect or that carbon footprint claim is a major part of that brand personality, I, I think you call it out on, on the package. But if it doesn't fit what the brand's about, and I know that that kind of ruffles some feathers too, because right, shouldn't all brands be concerned about the environment? But if it doesn't fit with what the brand is and the brand promise, you probably don't have room, at least on front of the pack. You know, to me, you know, if if the client asks us to put it on the package, we will definitely do that in the most effective way. But many times it's around their social media and how they market their other other products and how they market their their brand, you know, it's it's on them to communicate that to their 
consumer because the consumers where these things really matter to, they tend to be really, really ravenous consumers. So if you can if you can hit the right target, they will definitely respond to your efforts around you know the environment in any way, whether it's recyclability, sustainability, um, carbon footprint, any of those things. Okay. How do you think the brand goals are aligning with the societal changes that we've just talked about here? I think the brands were a little slow to catch on and, and kind of pick up on it. I remember being at trade shows and conferences several years back where, um, and I won't mention any names, but they they were talking about this whole environmental um, movement, sustainability, recycling as a trend. And I just thought that was odd because, you know, shouldn't we always be concerned about the environment? It's not just trendy. Um, and then I think today, once they finally caught on, brands and, and even designers are somewhat talking to our ourselves because I think I think it means it might mean more to us on some level than it does to the general consumer because I just people watch as part of my job, right? I need to see how consumers interact with products, interact with with, with packaging. Most people aren't nearly as concerned as I am about this stuff. I think if if it's at all confusing to the consumer, if they don't understand what your message is and it's not clear, like don't throw all kinds of marketing speak at it. Just be clear to the point, explain it. And the recycling aspect of it has to be simple and easy. If it's not simple and easy, they are not going to do it. My children who are in their 20s, mid-20s, mid mm-hmm. when they were younger, they thought I was crazy because I was separating seven different kinds of recyclable materials and making them put cardboard in this container, plastic in this con- container, number one plastic here, number two plastic here, glass bottles here. And I and I just watch them. They don't they'll recycle aluminum cans, but you know, other stuff, they don't really take the time to separate it. And and I know geographically in the US, that type of recycling is easier and more convenient. In my area, there's one small town where they just basically said, No more plastics, just throw it away. Like because they have nowhere to to go with it. So like no market. Yeah, people people want to recycle, but then the entities that pick up these recyclables aren't picking them up anymore. Now you're creating a whole new generation, at least locally, where they're just throwing everything away. And if you let that get away from you, I don't know how you get it back. And, and that's a whole other recycling infrastructure thing that we can probably talk for days about. Well, if you can't recycle used packaging or empty packaging, from a circularity point of view, what do you do with it? If you can reuse it or do consumers just stop buying, I don't know, water bottles, for example, stop buying water that way. You mean single-use water bottles? There's a lot of people already have reusable water bottles. I I know I do. I've had it for, you know, years and years now. But, like, you know, we recently went on an Outer Banks vacation. Well, you go and buy a case of water, right? Because it's just just so convenient. It's It's hard to separate the convenience from what you do with that bottle later. And that sounds like an excuse, but I, it isn't. It, it's really a real solid reason. And it's just, again, I, I said we can talk about the recycling infrastructure for, for days, but a lot of these brand goals, right, mm-hmm. don't coincide with, you know, that boots on the ground infrastructure. I'm just waiting for a, a brand to, like, our sustainability goals and our environmental claims and mission statements around our brand are going to be around building that infrastructure. 
you can reduce plastics all day long, but eventually there's still going to be plastics out there. But what are you going to do with them? Okay, excellent. You know, Tom, that was going to be my next question that you've already started to answer. Um, you know, what gaps are you seeing and how do you think uh, brands should adjust? Um, what other ideas do you have in this area? The big brands have the marketing horsepower and the dollars behind their brand to, I think, really make some changes if they like shifted their sustainability environmental goals towards helping build that recycling Im- infrastructure. Like you could, you can reduce the weight of your plastics to a point, And then let's just say it's a plastic bottle, right? Mm-hmm. At some point it starts to fail. It doesn't provide the barrier property it's known for structurally. It doesn't work. So in the end, you're going to be left with some plastic. Well, let's get behind recycling that better. You know, and we, we, we all want to clean up the ocean and I understand that, but, why isn't someone helping do things to prevent plastics from getting into the ocean in the first place? Right. Yeah. You know, there's the whole ocean bound plastic thing, which mm-hmm. I think is a little confusing because I know most people that I talk to about that, they think, oh, that's plastic that came from that, you know, great Pacific plastic patch and is now being used, but it's not, it's, it's plastic that it. they deem, mm-hmm. they're right. That they deem was de- heading towards the ocean. And, and that's all good. Like I'm not, I'm not knocking, any of them. I'm not knocking cleanup. I'm not knocking ocean-bound plastic. But if you stop that ocean-bound plastic, what about stopping all the rest of the plastic, right? Or not stopping right. it, but keeping it in that in that recyclable loop. I'm not a recycling engineer, right? So I don't know how you got to do it, but somebody has to figure out a way to do it better and cheaper and faster and make a market for those recyclable materials and stop putting them on ships and shipping them to other countries. Cause, Oh, you feel good about recycling, but what was the carbon footprint of that move? Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. Talk about circularity. Definitely. And I don't think you have to like tax credits. I don't, I, I don't, I don't like that stuff, but it's like, I think it needs to be incentivized in a way or show them a way they can make money at it or generate revenue like don't i think local municipalities at least you know the smaller ones right which make up the majority of the towns in in this country there's no incentive for them to be good at it because if they're good at it and then they can't get rid of like these individual sets of raw materials why bother and then and then when you do say you collect recycling and then the consumer watches you pull up and you throw that into the same track same truck as the garbage what's that consumer to think i mean does it then go and get recycled and separated probably not it probably goes to an incinerator if if they're doing that i, I don't know it's just really hard and it's it just is. like why do we have to you know demonize something because if you if you outlawed and banned all plastics what are you going to make cars out of most of your car is plastic yes nowadays so yeah. we're not going to make use plastic. We're going to make everything out of steel. Now your cars are going to be five times heavier. You're going to take ten times more energy to move them. Did, oh. did you did you solve anything? <laughs> like I don't think so. All right. Well, Tom, if you and I can come up with a solution to the uh, recycling infrastructure, uh, let me. I'm I'm with you all the way. Uh, you and I'll do it. And seriously we'll though, be like millionaires. Like, there is no brand out there that I know of that is making any environmental sustainability claim around them supporting or giving money to being better at recycling. Why don't they well, do that? I think because they it's hard to um, make that claim. It might be subjective to the in, 
the regional area. I, I don't know. The one thing that we're, as we were talking about single use plastic packaging, a water bottle, PET, single material, highly recycled, highly in demand for recycled content. Why would anybody move away from that and go to, you know, like a paper bottle that is going to have a plastic liner um, so it's mixed material or, you know, whatever? Right. And whenever anybody talks about these, again, we, we, we could really ruffle feathers on a different podcast theme. But, you know, when you talk about these, you know, oh, well, we're going to use this recyclable paper bottle. There's no way it's all paper. It, it's lined with something and then it probably can't be separated from it. So, yeah, you eliminated plastic, but now you straight up created trash. Now, according to the folks that are making these paper bottles, they're spraying a coating that's um, a food grade coating that does not impact the recyclability of the fiber. I'm not Excellent. I'm not a chemical engineer. I can't verify that, but I would hope that somebody somewhere is verifying that. But as soon as you say all those things you said, there's a whole army of consumers that are going to be like, wait a minute, you're spraying a chemical on something and I'm supposed to assume that that's not going to leach into my food. Like, how do you fight that? I'm not well, saying it does. It's food grade, it's approved. But Tom, you you and I both know. I mean, you you said it yourself. The consumer wants something simple. They don't want to hear about chemicals in the in the packaging being sprayed as a coating. They want that this is a paper bottle instead of plastic. So it's it's not plastic and paper. I can just put it in my recycle bin and it disappears. And I've done good for the environment. That's all they want to know. Got to make it simple and easy, and it'll get done. Yep. Yep. Before we hear more from Tom. Let's take a short break for a special message. Lisa Pierce here with Packaging Digest. If you are enjoying this podcast, I've got good news for you. There are more episodes with insights from other packaging executives at brand owner companies, including Tuna Giant, Bumblebee Foods, Food and Confections Leader Mars, Alcohol Beverage Manufacturer Absolute, and Snack King Frito-Lay. Find these and other conversations at packagingdigest.com slash packaging hyphen possibilities hyphen podcast. Now back to our current episode to learn more. Tom, what do you think that I'm going to throw out some other ideas here that are, are going around and just to see what you think about them? Chemical recycling, which is, uh, you know, technology, newer technology, sort of newer technology. It's been around for a while, but hasn't been used uh, from a packaging point of view. What do you think about that as a way of handling more plastics and more mixed plastics? Again, it's it's going to be based on what is the, to me anyway, what is the impact of those chemicals on the environment? What is the waste after that chemical treatment? What is the environmental impact of creating those chemicals? I know with one particular material, PDK, there's ways to process that with an acid versus, you know, heat and melting it down. And that all sounds sounds good because, you know, to generate heat takes energy. But then I say, well, what was involved to make that acid? And then as soon as you say acid, you know, all kinds of red flags go up. Yeah, bad um, things. Yeah. I think it ends up falling on AI 
and equipment where you can be running materials. You can just basically scoop up a landfill, throw it on a conveyor belt, and machines, AI, will be able to pick out materials, whether they're sensors or something okay. that will be able to sort faster than humans can. Because right now it's, you know, humans picking up and throwing, right. you know, bottles into this container, cardboard in, in into that container. You know, you know how the whole capitalism works, right? If somebody figures out how to make money at it, it will happen fast. Yes. <laughs> and just uh, to go back for just a, a second, AI is artificial intelligence. Um, so that's using computer power to do better sorting, which is, you know, if you look at the whole process of recycling, you have your collection, you have your sorting, and then you have your, you know, uh, market, you know, uh, ec the economic payoff uh, for doing the sorting and the, the collecting and the sorting. So, um, Tom, do you think closed loop systems for recycling are the way that brands should maybe go for them to take a little bit more responsibility? Do you think it should be extended producer responsibility, which well, uh, for I mean, packaging I mean, yeah, we're starting to see? Yeah, I think, I think I think definitely there's room for the whole closed loop thing. I think right now, you know, everyone's so anti-plastic. I just don't like that. I don't I don't like when 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 anything's like demonized or banned, right? If you start looking at some of these treaties, they talk about like banning plastics or banning single-use plastics. You know, I just kind of do a reality check when I hear that stuff. I'm like, okay, so we're gonna stop packaging, you know, medical materials in plastic packaging, which basically saves lives and keeps things clean. So if, if you're going to ban all, you know, single-use plastics, what's the medical industry going to do? And I know someone will push back and say, well, we don't mean the medical industry. Well, right. then you're not banning. Like you can't say we're banning the use of all single-use plastics and then you give exceptions, right? Right. So I just, I just don't like that. I think, I think, I think it should be focused more on better ways to use the material maybe better ways to manufacture the material. And then I know we've said this before, you know, better ways to recycle and reuse that material. Okay. Well, in um, just the whole cycle of recyclability, that end market is pretty important to make it all work, having the economy of recycling work. And I know that a lot of the recycled content goals for the brands had been with plastics. So if they're starting to eliminate plastics, to me, it sounds like they're also eliminating a market for recyclable plastics. And that's not necessarily a good thing. So I, I see that as being a, a little bit as a, of a, a sticking point. But I have questioned before the success of municipal recycling systems, if they're not getting the job done, we've got to figure out a different way. Just like you said, Tom, you know, we've got to work on this recycling infrastructure somehow. <laughs> right. So. And I'm, and, and I don't want to get political, right. Cause I don't know everyone gets their, you know, all upset, but I'm, I'm kind of a smaller government guy, not a big government guy. But that said, if you're going to subsidize something, subsidized regional local recycling again me being a small government guy if somebody said we're going to take tax dollars and we're going to put a whatever size recycling unit in every region of whatever the population is like who would be opposed to that first of all it created a couple jobs probably right hopefully um, hopefully 
it created jobs because you had to make those like those mobile recycling centers, right? You can, if you look at some of the things we've done recently with with, with technology, it should be easy to kind of do that. And then, you, and then you create almost like a daisy chain network of all these little like harvesting centers, and you could just go around and pick it up. And I know I just oversimplified that, but if you're going to subsidize something or you're going to put U.S. tax dollars behind something, throwing money at a U.N. treaty is one thing, but helping build our own recycling infrastructure, that just who's opposed to that? Yeah, I can see that um, working. Maybe, uh, Tom, as you as you were talking, I had an idea. So there's a lot more direct-to-consumer deliveries going on these days, partly we, have, we saw a lot more of that because of COVID-19 with people getting things delivered to them so that they didn't have to go out in public. But it sounds like maybe those delivery cars, trucks, whoever's doing those deliveries could pick up stuff. I don't know. Right. It's something, that, right? I mean, so that they, they don't go back empty because I sure. remember at one point, you know, somebody was talking about all the trucks on the on the uh, on the roads that once they drop off their their load wherever it is they're dropping it off, they're returning back empty. And why should they be empty? I mean, it should be continuing yeah. to move things around as efficient efficiently as possible. And that's beyond it, my area of expertise. And it's funny, you know, when, when we when we talk about all of these things, you know, there's socioeconomic things, there's current events, there's global pandemics. Right. And I know everyone's tired of talking about COVID, but if you think about it, COVID put all of this sustainability stuff on hold, you know, and then we proceeded to create 8 million tons of plastic waste. And then it's like, well, what do you do with that? And it's just a, a, a perfect example of when you needed security and safety, everybody went back to plastic, which. And it, and it does performed. Yeah. Right. So what does that mean, Tom? <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, it's, it's just funny. Like everyone's concerned about the environment, but we weren't for like two and a half years. Now I wonder in a couple of years from now, are we going to be talking about all the, all the masks that are laying on the bottom of the ocean, right? That, because if we can't throw plastic bottles in the right container to be either recycled or put in trash, I know for a fact, just my short walk from the parking garage to our studio, people didn't know how to dispose of their masks either because they were all over the street. Maybe even worse than seeing other, you know, single-use plastic trash. Well, I think the re, uh, the used mask masks um, situation was much worse than plastic straws. At least that's my opinion. Again, you know, everybody's got their own opinion here. Right, but, 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 but you know, this, again, this goes back to, like, you know, marketing and the imagery around it, right? When you, when you see the picture of the turtle with the straw stuck in its nose, you can't forget it, right? And you don't want to be the person that might have been responsible for that. So it kind of strikes a chord. Whereas a mask laying on the street, you know, the visual doesn't touch your soul as much, you know? Mm, true, true. The harm isn't right. there. Right. right. Okay. All right. So um, let's go back to just a little bit more on what brands should be doing moving forward here, Tom. What do you? What else do you think they should be doing? You said um, possibly working on, uh, you know, the recycling, maybe closed loops uh, marketing message. You mentioned that as well. I think the biggest things brands can do is just keep it simple, right? That applies to so many things in business and, and life. But I think, you know, easy to understand things. Stop stop using marketing jargon and whatever the, the latest 
phrase or trend is around the the in, environment and, and keep it simple. I I found the the biggest impact things are like like I said, one of the projects we did. If you can get it down to a single material in the whole package, so the whole package when the product's taken out can easily be recycled and not at the consumer level have to separate multiple things. And just and just being smarter about it. And I know I know cost comes into play often, which is many times why you know, plastic is used or isn't used, but just not basing everything on cost. And again, as a designer who technically spends other people's money, that's easy for me to say, but, you know, sometimes just can't go that, that, that cheap route. That's, that's how we ended up with so many things packaged in those UV welded plastic clamshells that every one of us has cut themselves trying to open at some point. That was all cost. I mean, I don't know if that was the best way to protect that product, but at least it kept it from getting dusty, right? The <laughs> yes. consumer got it clean, but you were bleeding. So again, I think just keeping it, it easy and simple and don't underestimate the, the uh, consumer's experience of unpacking or opening that product. And then don't ever underestimate the consumer's experience either with an initial purchase that opening of the product, the unveiling, and then that experience of disposing of that packaging. The iPhone always comes to mind as that you know, the ultimate consumer unboxing experience. It's kind of funny if you think about how many iPhones have been sold. No one ever talks about iPhone packaging waste because everybody keeps their iPhone box, right? Like Guilty. <laughs> like I have like all of them and I'm like, you know, they're not a recycling problem because we don't throw them away. It's kind of a joke, but yet it really speaks to, you know, when you do the package right, it makes an impact. And and I know people that aren't packaging designers and even say things like packaging doesn't affect my purchase decisions that keep their iPhone boxes. I'm like, why are you keeping that? Like, I just feel like I can't throw it away because you know, when I open it, it pulls a vacuum. I don't know. You just don't underestimate that. And even, you know, wow, you know, if you create a whole line of products that the consumer feels good about recycling, right? Like when they're all said and done, they just, well, that was easy to recycle. I mean, is that going to impact the next purchase? Probably. Probably. Cause we all know that it's the emotional attachment or the emotional connection that packaging makes that really resonates with the consumers too. Well, Tom. And, and I also think any of those sustainable, the sustainability or environmental claims, I think also need to make sense for that brand. Like, I don't think I don't think every brand can make the same claim, but I think every brand could figure out how to make a difference and impact the environment and relate to their brand at, at the same time. I don't think everybody has to do the same thing. You need to fig- figure out what you know makes the most sense for what your brand or actually what, what your product is, because you may not have a choice. Your product may have to be packaged in glass just because it needs to be protected that way. So if you demonize glass, what's that brand supposed to do? Well, maybe they can make an impact some other way or, you know, use Mm -hmm. all recycled glass. I don't know. You know, it has to make sense for the brand. Sure. I think brands should also tell the truth. Like for glass, it's infinitely recyclable. Sure. Maybe it's a little bit heavier than other materials, but it's infinitely recyclable. It's, uh, you know, an inert material. It's Definitely a renewable material. So I think every material has its pros and packaging material has its pros and cons. And uh, maybe just uh, not forget about the cons, but highlight the pros. Right, right. Definitely. 
Okay, well, Tom, thank you so much for letting me pick your brain here for a little bit and uh, giving us uh, some insights into sustainability and packaging. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>